0: Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week we're continuing in our series called Between You and Me about marriage and relationships, and this week we're talking about divorce, we're talking about covenant, and how strong and how committed are we supposed to be in this relationship anyway. We also take a few meandering rabbit trails into what is sin, what is holiness, what's purity. And where's the line on all of these issues? And I hope it's a helpful conversation to you. Without any further ado, let's dive right in.
1: That that how we opening the podcast <laughs> these days? A weird cackling laughter.
0: I, yeah. I don't know if the camera's
1: right. I can only see the very top of bottom of your head.
0: Yeah, well, oh, I just off. wanted to make sure all of your shoes were in the shot.
1: Well, they are nice shoes. But H-E-L. see, I'm
0: not normally sitting here when I'm aiming the camera because I'm no, yeah. aiming the camera. Yeah,
1: yeah, but he could have said to me, "Does it look fine?" Anyway, hello. My nose is bleeding. Aaron's not got the camera right, so we've got a weird podcast lined up for you. Don't want to tell you. There we go. That looks better. There we go. Welcome to the Red Couch Theology Podcast, where everything is well organized. Where <laughs> stuff
0: and things happen.
1: Flowing well. Uh, we have a red couch. We have theology.
0: We do. Yeah, and, and this I,
1: week we have this delightful switch around because you're the one that preached. And so I'm the one that just keeps to get asking you questions. Yeah, of, except yeah. for
0: here's the problem. I remember more about your sermons most weeks than I remember about the one I preached.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm nervous. Like oh, now man, I'm like, what did man. I say on, Sunday?
1: <laughs> what did you say on Sunday? Well, that is a usually a good starting point. Like, what did you say on Sunday? The fact that we don't know. No, um, I'm... It yeah. may be a problem, but um.
0: <laughs>
1: but other than that... um.
0: Yeah, we're still in this series, um, and I'm still playing with my technology because I'm producing the show and what, all those things.
1: You are the star of the show and the producer of the show. That's like Oscar territory stuff. That's like Kevin Costner winning Best Director and Best Picture for Dances with Wolves in 1992 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. With niche knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So ask away. Well.
0: You're running the well, show. Well,
1: well the, seri- the series that you were talking about, we, we have been in a series at South Fellowship Church uh, called Between You and Me, which was really designed around relationships, the intersection of me and all my stuff with another person, like that relationship moment of like, I was thinking about this, I was chatting to someone about this whole series concept Just this morning, and I said, well, it's no wonder that people like Paul took our relationship with God and said that's supposed to be somewhat, like, educational about our way of relating to others. Because for the first time in your life, really, you're, like, taking the me, like, that's a circle of, like, I, I get to be selfish, I get to do everything. Like, do you remember being single and, like, how selfish you could be? Barely. Yeah, or even not having kids, like... You yes. just got to do whatever you wanted to do all the time.
0: I don't... I, I got married at such a young age. How
1: old were you guys And
0: I ju- I was 21. Okay.
1: Yeah, Laura was 19 when we got married. But yeah. I, was, I, was, I was 25. But so I,
0: yes, I guess in theory.
1: I mean, I just remember like just like living pretty selfishly almost all the time.
0: I've always been selfless. and humble by the way absolutely where did did jesus duke me
1: where to flex me i'm just Um, joking so so uh like then suddenly you're you're like the venn diagram illustration we've been using the 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 me and the you me and suddenly there's at least a good portion of your life that is no longer just yours to decide you affect someone else in a in a completely new way totally. And all of the, like, I mean, you, you had flaws before, like, your parents certainly noticed them, your friends noticed them, but it didn't affect them in quite the same way, as it will infect your affect your spouse. I need to say infect, which may be a better word, but affect... Could be accurate. <laughs> ...affect your spouse, and and so when when Paul says stuff like learn to submit to each other, as you've learned to submit to Christ, you, you can almost understand why he says, yeah, you've done this before. Like, yeah, you, you can figure it out, like... You submit to Christ. Learn to submit to each other in the same way, because it is so unnatural to not be selfish. You just, you just want to do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so it's that. That's really, to me, like the fascinating part of the 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 series. This like Venn diagram aspect. This middle part that is the stuff that you share and how you figure out living together, when almost all of us are very selfishly wired people. We want what we want. Um, totally and so this week you talked about like at least uh, umbrella like was originally like the what it takes to enter into that kind of relationship really right and what yeah talking
0: about the covenant what bonds us what um like you actually gave me a title the title and which i I was
1: pretty loose Uh, well
0: you gave me the title which i stuck with which it made its way into the message which is that this is an all-in game yeah and um so So the way I interpreted the title that you assigned me um, (laughs) was that... The way
1: I figured out how to talk about what I wanted to talk about, even though there was a (laughs) title.
0: (laughs) Well, I I did my best to interpret, and we'll see. Hopefully, I didn't walk on your toes for some other week. <laughs> um, I also promised that everything I didn't share this week that they would hear next week. Yeah, so totally. um, yeah. that's a great way to cop out of a, a uh-huh. series really Absolutely. easily. If you're like guest preaching in a series, you just say, "If I didn't cover it this week, then the the, the real preacher is going to cover everything <laughs> next week." <laughs> um, but I the way I interpreted it was that. Uh, this all in nature of like, what's, what's the commitment that we're actually mm-hmm. making? Yeah. And so that's kind of where I focused yeah. in on for this, for this particular message. Yeah. And I yeah. think
1: that's like, I, I, I don't know when I came up with just these broad headers. Uh, I don't know that I'd really necessarily thought about the covenant aspect to it. I think you brought a lot of that. I think my original thought was uh, kind of how you, how you just described it. It was, you can't go into marriage with an opt out clause. Like you can't go into it that way. Now, as you, I think just did a brilliant job talking through, there are times where that's what ends up happening. Like that there is a moment where there's a divorce and like, it's painful. It's always painful. Um,
0: Yeah. Which I felt like a necessary part of this challenge. Totally. Because if you say from a church pulpit, there's, this is it. It's, Always, forever, never ending.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the line. Yeah. Then you have people in the room who are like, oh my goodness, I've already, yeah. I've already committed this horrible sin and I'm it's my soul is at stake, and all these things start to rise yeah. up in people when you say it like that.
1: You're done screwed up, AA, wrong.
0: <laughs> so I yeah. Uh, so I had this <laughs> I had this challenge of saying, here's actually the invitation. The invitation is this that's like it's a very uh-huh. serious commitment. Yeah. It's an all in game. Yeah what happens when we when the world is broken and things fall apart? Yeah. That was what I felt the tension
1: with. So Yeah, and so you um, I think you, so, did, you did create this beautiful tension, right? You started off, like to give people who didn't hear this vague summary, you started off with the very high bar of marriage, uh, or the very high bar of signing up to marriage.
0: Yeah, that was the goal. I wanted like, because I think, and actually I think this happens a lot in the Bible. I think when you're looking for, not in all subjects, for, but for a lot of subjects, um, <clears throat> determining what God's ideal is for humanity mm. is actually not super difficult yeah. in certain subjects like marriage, like uh, sexuality, like yeah. saying that this is the design, like God made it to work this way. You can find that. The problem is two, two things, two mistakes happen. When people encounter that, is they say, there's the line. If you deviate from that line, you're going to hell. Yes. That's one extreme. Yeah, yeah. The other extreme is, obviously, that can't be the line. So therefore, the Bible's probably not true, or it's Mm -hmm. not relevant, not...
1: He said it but he didn't really he didn't mean, mean
0: it, it. Mm-hmm. all these kind it was of
1: cultural it was, it was cultural
0: so then you you just opt out any of the weight and standard that the scriptures offer yeah and but i think the actual invitation of the bible is is you say the design is clear mm-hmm. the fall of man happens and then god says well that ship has sailed yeah so now how do i help humanity recover some good even mm. from the broken ash, the broken and, pieces. And, and
1: it's surprising I think how, you know, biblical writers reflecting God's opinion are, or God's, God's feelings on a subject are able to walk some of these lines of, of both there's a, there's a high standard and grace almost, like I, I almost want to use the word inevitably follows, grace has this almost inevitability to it. It's not supposed to be taken for granted but it's almost like inevitable. Uh, and so you see this with Paul in, in, in first Corinthians chapter seven, where there's this whole crowd that are like, there should be no sex ever. Like everyone should stop doing everything. And then there's this whole other crowd that are like, no, everybody should do everything with everybody. And it would be really easy for him to say one of those two things.
0: Yeah. Those are actually the lazy answer.
1: Yeah. And he's like, no, neither of those things. Like yeah. that's so, and that's, I think that's what, I'm not saying we do it like, Paul, I do think we try and do that at South with lots of different things. We try and have the hard conversations that say, yeah, you might feel this, but it's not just that. And you might feel this, but it's not just that. And somewhere we're going to we're gonna try and hold the tension strings together and figure out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that um, sometimes people get the impression that um, holding standards is the um, is the brave
1: route, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: because yeah. people don't like it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm being bold. Yeah, and I'm standing my ground. Actually, I still think it's a, the lazy route.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: The the brave route, the more complicated route, is to rock walk the tightrope yeah. of the kingdom of God, which yeah. is this thing that's like sometimes politically left, sometimes politically right, sometimes dogmatic sometimes super full of grace sometimes and you're just like that's too complicating mm-hmm. exactly yeah exactly and, and I, it's I, I so I'm, much harder <laughs> i've said
1: this like this so many times probably on this podcast as well certainly on sunday mornings someone once said that the the most important word in in philosophy was the word perhaps or the word maybe like being able to hold a view passionately and say yeah and perhaps i'm wrong Um, And so occasionally I'll have discussions with people who will come and say, this is my view on this. Like, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, perhaps I have no problem with that as a view. I can see a good argument for that in scripture. I can also see a good argument for a different view. And so, so I think the people I find it hardest to have good conversations with are people that have no perhaps in their conversation. Now, now is there a couple of things that we can hold to really, really tightly? Absolutely. Like who Jesus is, his death and resurrection like those are things that i feel like ho- holding tightly to is a healthy approach um but but there's so many other conversations we're just in the middle of this conversation at church around uh, the role of women in eldership um and th- there's a reason there's so many scholars on both sides of the, uh, the conversation like brilliant people that read Different biblical writers and say, yeah, but some of them don't love Jesus.
0: (laughs) You know, that's the feeling. That's the yeah, totally. That's where it gets so intense, so quickly because people actually villainize the the opponent rather than saying, rather than coming to the conversation saying, you've got some really like, yeah, you you. I'm assuming that you have good reasons why you think this, and I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that the only reason you feel the way you feel is because you hate God. Yeah. That's
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. generally if a Christian. If you really love Jesus, you wouldn't
0: think You would that. agree with me. Yeah. Um, and
1: it's so interesting how that speaks to such... some of our wiring around, like how we feel about change, how we feel about new ideas. My, my wife always gives me a hard time because I'm, I'm obviously British. I'm super pro-monarchy. Uh, well, at least I was super pro the queen. Who passed away recently, and now I'm I'm still pro monarchy, but I'm I'm wrestling with like growing into this new era. Um, but monarchy
0: wife, that's not
1: quite a monarchy. Eh, it's a it's a monarchy of Figurehead-ish a figurehead yeah, ish constitutional monarchy. monarchy. It's there a, you go. Uh, um, the best system ever devised to to operate in a country, and there's many reasons why. Um, but my <laughs> wife always gives me a hard time because she's like, I know you. If it if you were there in 1776. You'd be a revolutionary. Like, that's that's how you think. You'd be the one that like, no, this isn't fair. People shouldn't have taxation without representation. We should rebel. We should do this. Uh, and so for all my declaring like the the revolution as a rebellion against a benevolent monarch, she's like, I don't buy it. Uh, <laughs> so my personality is I'm, I'm quite on board with change and I'm quite on board with being willing to rethink how we've done things or how we thought about something. And that doesn't make me better. It just means that I'm 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 more able to say, okay, this is the way this passage has been translated for years. What if it's wrong? For some people, any shift of like of of that is really problematic to faith.
0: Yeah, and I would general like I would I would generally say the same. For me, I've become increasingly comfortable with change in very specific areas <laughs> of my life. Yeah, there's other areas of my life that I have recently just dis- in. I keep bumping into where I'm like, Oh, here I think I'm this like real fluid person. That's really comfortable with all points of view and on and on and on. And then I run into this issue and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm very black and white. I'm very unwilling to change and I'm very stubborn about Absolutely. it.
1: Absolutely. And I'm
0: like, oh no, I have so much room Don't to Don't try and
1: get Aaron to move the piano on stage. No, you're actually fine with stuff like that. You, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, 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 you can deal. That one's fine. So I do think you're, you're right that there's this nuance to the conversation that God has this beautiful picture of what it can be and should be and all the ways he deals with its brokenness in these incredible ways. Yeah, and, and and still redeems. That's always the beautiful, captivating picture to me about Scripture, God's ability to redeem. I mean, the, the final word is redeem all things, um, and 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 yet even in this present moment, the things He redeems always astound me. Yeah, um, and, and I I actually you wrestled, I think, really well with this. When is divorce okay? when when does it give scriptural space for that and that's a complicated issue um, i actually have a, a, a couple of friends that divorced and then remarried the person they divorced yeah um and those just those pictures to me are always just beautiful
0: yeah totally um i so i'm debating on whether i should bring into this podcast a thought experiment that i have about sin um Now I feel like I have to. Yeah, mentioned it. Might have mentioned it earlier. I was like,
1: (laughs) feel like I'm co-piloting a ship. I don't know where it's going. All right. So (laughs) thank goodness I'm okay with change.
0: (laughs) The question is whether I'm okay with this change. So (laughs) here's my massive caveat to this topic: is I'm just I'm processing this. It's very much.
1: Is it heretical?
0: It might be. I love it. It might be heretical. I love. Let's, it. Let, I'm gonna even say it that boldly. This might be heretical.
1: If you like heresy, you're in the right place.
0: <laughs> so, I don't know what that means. if uh, if this gets pulled out of context, that I can always fall back on the. I might have been heretical. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, I think that we actually we're fighting to determine our our goal when it comes to conversations about sexuality, divorce. Um, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, all of these sins, we want to know how far can I go before I cross the line mm-hmm. and it becomes sin. Well, Which is
1: very much the Pharisee's question. Really. It
0: is, yeah. When, when they I'm approach, putting... they exactly, they're, yeah. they're desperately trying to, one, trap him. Yeah, And that's one of the reasons why they bring this question. But they're also... I think there's a sneaking curiosity of saying, "Where is the line?" That's yeah, a very like, human thing.
1: I think in week one, I tried to pull it into a more tangible um, or concrete concept. I said, you know, "If you're allowed to carry 20 pounds of weight on the Sabbath, they want to know so they can carry 19.999 Yes, the way yeah,
0: like, the way like, you like, phrase that like, is like, so like, just
1: let me know the rule so I can obey the rule and and not do more.
0: Exactly. Or yeah, exactly. And that that's very human mm-hmm. right up front. I'll just say it's a very human thing to try and figure out what are the boundaries of my kingdom?
1: Mm-hmm. What's the
0: boundaries of my freedom? Yeah. And the weird thing about the gospel is it's like God says, "Oh, there aren't any boundaries except for there's extreme boundaries." <laughs> and and you're like, "I can't quantify. How do I approach us?" So, I think that far more things are just plain sinful. Than we want to, than we're comfortable to say. Mm-hmm. But some things are, there are lesser sins than others. And so let's, so here's the thought experiment. Um, maybe, and uh, if, if this sounds too harsh for you, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and you come from a d- divorced background, I think that all divorce is sinful. Um, now, With the exceptions that God no, gives. No. I think all divorce is sinful. Oh, Here's a thought. This might be okay, heresy. Okay. Because Jesus, Jesus, even Jesus gives a reason why it's an option. Yeah. But I think he's saying, well, yeah, that's because you're sinners. So your hardness mm. of heart, the brokenness of humanity mm. is the only reason that's an option. Therefore, but his, does- his logical flow of thought is... God's design was this shouldn't ever happen under any circumstance. And so anything below God's design is sin. Mm. Holiness is God. Mm. And so anything that falls below his perfect design for it is sin. So it's all sinful. Now, he's, but what I'm saying is that particular sin is far better Mm. than the alternative sin, Mm. which is a shattered relationship that's that's on this untrustworthy foundation that because of the of the um, unfaithfulness and so forth. And that's when you wade into way more complexity. So he actually condescends to the brokenness mm. of the world and says, same thing with polygamy. I w- I w- polygamy is yeah. not ideal. It's a hot mess. Every story we have in scripture about polygamy is a hot mess. Yeah. And yet he requires it in the case of a, a, a husband dies, mm-hmm. The brother has to marry, even if he she, he's already married, yeah, yeah. he has to marry her and provide for it because a worse sin is that her only option is prostitution yeah, probably, and yeah, complete yeah, yeah. destitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, given the brokenness of the world, I have to adjust mm. to the hierarchies of sins. Mm-hmm. So, um...
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that, like, because I don't know that I agree completely, which I, is great. I don't know if I agree completely. So... I do feel like when Jesus says uh, Moses gave you this for the hardness of his heart, he is talking about the ease that was created for divorce in the Jewish world. Like give her a certificate, send her on away all will be well. Um, I, I do feel like what I would agree with is that all divorce is the result of someone's sin. Um, and you might not even have got to control that or be involved in it. And then even more complexly, very rarely in a relationship do you look at it and say oh it's all her fault or it's all his fault usually it's our own sinful selfish humanness that comes into a relationship and we torture each other in unspoken ways um and it's never very simple like when you when you hear it's completely simple it's usually as a joke like there's this great moment in the simpsons where reverend lovejoy says to marge simpson like marge get a divorce and she's like, wait, isn't that a sin? He's like, well, have you ever read the Bible? Like, technically, we're not allowed to go to the bathroom. Everything's a sin. He's like, this is a, this is a minister, like, reading this to us. <laughs> um, and, and yet his premise is like, this is the first time I'm ever saying to anyone, like, it's 100% his fault. Um, like, like it's just, <laughs> um, and, and that's just a rare, that, that, it's almost never the case. Like, you may not be able to justify the action, But like how many times um, Paul even addresses this controversially in first Corinthians Uh, chapter seven, he says that there should be enough sex in a marriage that someone isn't tempted to go and have sex with somebody else. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's broadly what he says. Yeah. Um, So, so like that doesn't create an excuse for infidelity, but it does bring both couples into the conversation of why it ended up happening. And so that's what I think I agree with in what you're saying. Like we, by nature, bring so much to a marriage, so much of our own baggage, so much of our own failure. We are all difficult people to live with.
0: Yeah. And I think the irony is if you were in my message and you heard the sermon that I preached, I ended about on the love of God and most... Uh, the most comments I received after the message was multiple people who've been through divorces came up to me in tears, saying that this was one of the most freeing, oh, life giving things. It, yeah. So there's this irony of uh, tension between what I just said, mm-hmm. which I think maybe that all all divorce is yeah. sinful, and what I and the it, goodness and the love of God that I laid out on Sunday morning, and I believe both firmly. Um, you know, again, this is except for uh, this, this is a thought experiment, but I think and if you allow me to go into some weeds about, um, some, some Levitical law related to purity, (laughs) purity laws. Hey, I think we think about sin wrong a lot of the times, because again, we're obsessing with, if I do this, I'm going to the bad place. If I do, if I don't do this, I'm going to the good place. Mm -hmm. Even though if you ask someone what the gospel is, if they're a good evangelical, they're like, Oh, salvation by grace, through faith. Mm -hmm but they behave and they get nervous oh, about yeah. sin as if it was totally by righteousness, yeah. by works.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that I have started to ask, um, and I heard this from someone else and it really just was like, it was eye-opening to me, to some of my own approaches. They were like, when we talk about Jesus returning, like a second coming, if there's part of you that says, oh, I'd like to hold off on that, for a little while so i can become more mature i can like start praying more i can start doing this and that like that isn't the po- the point yeah like in in a, in a in an idea of grace like that's never been the purpose like that's just you figuring out how to make you better and i would say i do stuff like that all the time um in my subconscious regularly i'm like oh man I let that slip. Oh yeah. I didn't do that as much as I should have done. Oh, I did that more than I should have done. Um, and yet that's never been how it's, and Paul even has this great moment in Galatians in chapter three, where he's like, you foolish Galatians, who, who bewitched you? Like you started off with grace. You received the spirit by grace. You did miracles by grace. And now you're going to become perfect in a different way. Like it's just, he's baffled. Yeah. Um, and I think he would say similar things to us.
0: But So that's, what, that's why I think our obsession with sin um, and trying to figure out when did I commit a sin or not commit a sin, it's because we carry the weight of our salvation with the decision made. And so I think our, our misunderstanding of the gospel mm. puts un, um, a confusing weight on whether mm. we're sinning or not sinning. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. And again, maybe there's, maybe this is a multifaceted subject, but what's interesting to me is I wrote a paper on purity laws related to childbirth in the Le- Leviticus. And can I
1: can we read that paper in the next podcast <laughs> oh
0: gosh no you will not enjoy it, it is oh yeah
1: I've, I've re- I wrote a 40000 word thesis that three people have read <laughs> yeah
0: I wish I could zoom in on this this is not even going to be helpful but <laughs> in this study in Leviticus what Levitic the book of Leviticus is this book um that outlines um how to engage in worship and relationship with God after the fall mm-hmm Right, and so uh, it's a book that's obsessed with this the two spectrums, holiness and unholiness, mm-hmm. uh, purity and impurity, or another way of saying that spectrum is clean and unclean.
1: How uh, how are those two different?
0: That's a great question. Um. And so the, there's this diagram you can, and then it, all throughout Leviticus, you can actually place yourself into this quadrant if you put. Um, I'll put it on the screen. Um, <laughs> it's tiny. I thought I could zoom in on this, but I can't.
1: Put it on the screen for the five people that yeah. want to All see right. it. That's not
0: going to work. That's not even that helpful. <laughs> anyway, so there's if you put a quadrant four square like like make a four square situation. Yeah, yeah, I and it. And you put holiness in the top left and unholiness in the in the yeah. bottom left. Yeah. Purity in the top right and un- impurity. Yeah. And. In, in Leviticus, in the Levitical mind of the author of Leviticus, holy is God. Mm-hmm. That's the only yeah, thing that's holy. Yeah, yeah. And the closer in proximity you are to God mm-hmm. or God's nature, the holier you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's about proximity. So yeah. now what's wild in, in nature, not just like physical proximity, mm-hmm. but in nature. So some of the things that the Bible describes as unholy, Flowers.
1: Mm.
0: Why? Because they're common. Mm. That's the another term for unholy mm-hmm. in the, in the, yeah, in yeah. the Hebrew set mind. Set apart
1: versus not set apart. Like. Yeah,
0: common. Yeah. So mountains are unholy yeah. or common. Flowers are unholy or common. In other words, they don't embody the nature of God. The mm. only things that start to reflect the nature of god are things that are considered holier and holier so ultimately when god says be holy as i am holy it's an invitation to do what we were called to do in the first place would be to be the image of god Mm -hmm. to reflect god's nature into the world so if we're holy we're doing a good job reflecting and if we're unholy we're not reflecting his Mm -hmm. nature and are so our flowers evil
1: well in an old testament context not evil but they are they're just common common yeah but but that and that's the and I'm sure this is where you're going, but so that, that's
0: the that spectrum, yeah. yeah. But then the pure and impure is a different illustration in Leviticus. So God is saying there's this progression that you can go through on the holiness side uh-huh. where you reflect my nature to the uh-huh. world better, yeah. therefore you're holier, yeah. or you're reflecting it less, therefore you're unholy.
1: Yeah.
0: And the, the other facet he says, by the way, part of my nature is I'm a life giver I only always and under I only give life mm-hmm. I do not give death mm-hmm. death is not a part of my character mm-hmm. it's not a part of my nature and so purity and impurity is about proximity to things that represent death yes so the closer in proximity you are to life things then you are pure the the further or the when you touch something that is dead or represents death mm-hmm. or all those of things then you're impure or unclean mm-hmm. and so this is the levitical framework for sin and so what's and what's what
1: is the 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 correlation between the two spectrums is, is the argument of that spectrum that you can be high on the holy spectrum and low on the purity spectrum you How could do they relate to each other
0: you could there is actually like you could actually just it's almost like a plot chart a plot diagram you could find yourself um, low on one or high on the oh, other. See, man, I in the, I like there's the got Levitical. To be some
1: kind of connection between the two, at least in how it's presented.
0: Well, the connection is all the it's all the nature of God. Uh-huh. So the connection is if I'm creating life uh-huh. and reflecting God's nature, yeah. then I'm both pure and holy. Huh. And if I so it's the nature and action. Yeah. Diagram.
1: So, so like, but, but, but is there not some correlation that like supposing you like you, you are both holy and pure and then you just like, meh, lost interest in the purity thing. It by some measure affects the holiness spectrum that it presents.
0: Well, I'm sure like maybe philosophically, but the, the laws aren't written that way, mm-hmm. which is why it's like, this is, I think God's Leviticus is this is god's best attempt at trying to teach his people about how to be his people yeah so my goal for you is to reflect my goodness to the rest Mm. of the cosmos yeah and therefore i want you to be holy it's all humor (laughs) and it's all designed to help train his people on how to be better reflectors or imagers of his presence Mm. and he wants to say by the way before the fall, before you guys decided to let sin into the world, your main mandate was to be a be fruitful and multiply and fill yeah. the earth, to be creators of life just as like I create yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, that's why, weirdly, this is the paper I wrote, was on purity laws related to childbirth. What's What's complicated about that passage is you have God commands in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Mm. And then when a woman has a baby, she's unclean. Mm-hmm. So you're like so if I think of uncleanness as sin mm. then God commands sin.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you can't think of it as sin.
1: No.
0: At least not every time. Sometimes. That's things, the thing
1: like not every time.
0: Yes. So sometimes you can com- obey God and become unclean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And the at least in a fallen world and the reason being is childbirth brings you to death's door especially in an ancient mm-hmm. world uh, both for the baby and for the yeah. mother. And so he's just saying because of your proximity to things that could potentially cause yeah. death, I need you to know that the potential for death was never a part of my design. Mm-hmm. And my, So I want you to set aside and meditate on the fact mm-hmm. that it was not supposed to be this and way. And so,
1: so beautifully, as you come to the Jesus story, there is a, a movement towards the... There's a breakdown of the, the holiness code, like in terms of like at least there is no longer the same set of partners. Like actually God is reflected in the common in this fascinating way. Because Jesus embraces what flesh. is common. Yeah. yeah, he becomes flesh. Uh, the temple, that 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 whole pattern changes. There's an embracing of the common things. And so now we get to live in this world where we no longer have to say, we're, we're, set, we're, we're looking at that like distinction between Set apart and co- and, and common, uh, except we still do.
0: We have this tendency to we, because so we still grab. It's a very it. human, yeah, yeah.
1: holy man, fallen, holy temple, fallen holy human building, holy, way of thinking.
0: Yeah. yeah, actually, that's one of the beauties of the gospels. Yeah, is like you can actually go through the Levitical law, and there's like whole chunks of the gospel narratives where Jesus is going in and intentionally mm-hmm. touching the uh, the unholy. Yeah. Like you've preached on some yeah. of this stuff, and he's like methodically going through be- becoming impure or actually purifying what the impure. Yes. So everything Jesus touches instantly becomes clean uh-huh. and instantly becomes holy. Yeah. And then he says, Oh, by the way, church, yes. this is your job in the world. Yeah. No longer do you touch something and it makes you unholy. Instead as a church, if the church is operating correctly, when you touch something, you actually make it more holy. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, and so, and, and so that comes into like the whole, corinthians argument it seems like a bunch of people in the corinthian church are worried that by having sex with an unbeliever in a marriage of believer and unbeliever they might be become unholy and paul's like no no if anything the potential is you make them holy not vice versa at least that's an option yeah at least yeah yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah there's there's not the same like infection if that's a more common word that might have been perceived in the past i do think what i think is fascinating about like our use of the the term sin my my suspicion across the whole like spectrum of the biblical writers is that god wants us to to be deeply concerned about present and potential future sin uh, with the emphasis on the present and almost completely unconcerned about past sin and, and I've used the word concern, maybe concerned isn't the best word, but it's like, yeah. it's this, this idea that we still like, we talked about this, like why have every week, I mean, you very explicitly this week, but me in other ways, other weeks felt this deep need to say to someone, if you're here and you've been divorced, like this isn't about guilt uh, because God has new stories that he constantly brings out of new ones out of, of old ones. And, and that's exciting. So, so, like, the moment you feel guilty for something in the past that's been moved on from, repented from, has become, like, a, yeah, a, a new story, don't feel guilty. That's not what this is about. We've said that because we know instinctively that we do feel guilt for totally. so much stuff over the past. I, I, I think C.S. Lewis in the screw Tape letter said something like, like um, somewhat humorously, even our sins, once they've been repented from and confessed, God actually doesn't want us to think about very much at all. Like for a God who's so obsessed with, with and and I won't use holiness because we've used it in a different uh, sense, but that the does have this way to live that we're invited to. Yeah. When we've failed, when we've missed the mark on it, he actually doesn't want us to think very much about it once once it's been dealt with.
0: Yeah, unless you're to the place where you're healthy enough to look back and say, <laughs> I've learned some really good lessons oh, from that absolutely. stupid decision. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, like go ahead and retain it in your brain. It's not like you become forgetful in that oh, way, yeah, but be, to carry right. this emotional shame and guilt yes. and burden yeah, of that's like, what I'm and at to let it like break this relationship with God unnecessarily. Yeah, totally. But uh, so. There's a, there's that's a reason why, that
1: he says things like, uh, he has buried our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness. Totally. Um,
0: but that's why I feel like. In this, in my sermon, I, my goal was to say, and and I actually don't know if I swung the, one of my my fears hmm. before I preached this message. I was in my office, and I was like genuinely crying out to God. I'm afraid that I'm going to raise the bar of of commitment in marriage so high that I'm going to cause shame. Hmm. The exact opposite happened, by the way. Yeah, it was actually divorced people who felt, and at least verbally mm-hmm. responded to me to me the most saying that this was a gift to them and they felt freed and all of these sorts of things so i'm wondering if i this pendulum swung the other direction because mm-hmm. i do think that covenant and this ferocious almost painful to like maybe scarily painful commitment to, to the covenant of marriage is a beautiful invitation yeah. that we should take deadly seriously.
1: And, and so what, what you see constantly with Jesus is for those that are longing for a better way to live, he often regularly, repeatedly offers this new thing to move into, and he does it without guilt and shame, but with, yeah, this, he creates the possibility of, of something yeah. Uh, that you can enter into. Um, and then in the, the Pentecost story, gives the power in which to enter into that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think every time you preach, there is this, this kind of conundrum of how do you call people to what God has for them without also bringing shame and guilt, because shame and guilt works to a degree. Oh, yeah. Like we see it in society all the time, people use shame and guilt all the time. Marriages use, like spouses use shame and guilt all the time. Like it, yes. you see it like mm. it gets like this result. And I mean, I grew up in a, and I used air quotes for those. Yeah, there's whole cultures like,
0: that are even more saturated in shame yeah, cultures. Yeah. And we're, we're increasingly a shame culture because of social media.
1: Yeah. So I, th- I think like you trying to, trying to somehow say, it's okay, but there's something new. <laughs> um, I, I, or God's not mad at you, he's got something better for you. Uh, or any of those different ways you might phrase that. Um, totally. But that's such a hard line to walk at times.
0: Yeah, and that's where you kind of have to, as a preacher, you ha- kind of have to prayerfully just lean into it, and say, Spirit, I, I'm trying my best to walk this tightrope. Yes. And only you're kind enough and uh-huh. bold enough yeah. to either convict or heal or, 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 and so you just sort of send the message out over the crowd of people and you say, spirit of God, please help this to land with your kind of weightiness. Like, is there a, is there a, a jerk spouse out there who just needs a, like, Uh, yeah, to yeah, needs to be slapped upside the head. And is by... it me? <laughs> <laughs> Probably is me. Um, or is there someone out there who's like, like I said, partway through my message, like maybe you're more wired to just give, 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 and maybe the challenge for you is to say, I'm going to stand my ground for a while. Yeah. What, so one estimation. of the
1: one of the opening prayers that I use at different points, uh, sometimes like for a season, uh, is is God, would you comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable? And it's I certainly didn't invent it. It's an old liturgical. but it reflects that sometimes we are so comfortable um, that we need God to come along and bring what you might call affliction and wake us up. That that language of wake up is brilliant. Like Paul uses that in different ways. Jesus uses that in different ways. It's like, come on, like snap out of it. And then there is the the, the person that just feels so deeply, oh man, I am not who I'm supposed to be. And there the spirit comes alongside and you know bruised reed he will not break Um, yeah uh,
0: and that's that that's why i feel like um how do we as followers of jesus learn to take sin seriously like the wages of sin is death so every time we make a a conscious choice or even a subconscious choice mm -hmm. this is even more scary every time we make a choice to do something that is outside of God's design for how humanity is supposed to function, it is killing you. Mm -hmm. It's killing you. There's something in your humanity that dies Mm -hmm. and that pattern ends in death, but it also kills you today and you're missing out on life. And that's where the spectrum is. And that's what I think Leviticus is trying to say, like, I am the life giver. I am mm. the life creator. I've designed life to be this vibrant, beautiful gift. Mm. And you could do this. Like Paul says, all things are permissible, mm-hmm. but not all. Oh my goodness. Not all things are yeah. beneficial. Yeah. Why would you choose and, this that creates this craze sorrow and pain and destruction when you could have this offer of the gospel, which is life and joy and peace and way harder
1: Yeah. And that, 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 that tension is like, to me, sometimes caught up in, in just how we have understood, and you touched on this in the Levitic, Levitic, Leviticus conversation, like how we've understood the question, what is sin? Um, so like, I, I have always joked, like when I was a youth pastor, I, I really just used to rotate three messages, like <laughs> God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Don't sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, who just, like, was, like, <laughs> round and round and round and round and round. Um, and I come from a more European perspective. So even my, like, don't sleep with your girlfriend or boyfriend was somewhat, like, uh, somewhat had a different tenor to it. But in the American church, and again, you see this in this First Corinthians 7 conversation, and, and you see how it affects relationships there's almost this language in, in youth groups all over the country of like, for the love of God, don't have sex. And then people get married and you're like, have as much sex as you want. Uh, and, and yet like the number of counseling sessions that I, I did with young couples who were like, you yeah, know, this doesn't feel right. Like I feel, I feel disgusting. I feel like like God is mad at me. I feel like I had one friend who joked like uh, on a wedding night, she was going to lock herself in the bathroom. <laughs> She was like, "I just, I just don't know how I make the jump from being told to keep it at zero. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, bad, 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 bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like zero to hundred, like overnight or in an afternoon. And so we, we, we do have like this whole framework for things we think are bad, or we've used language that describes them as bad, and then things we've said are okay." That actually, maybe from a biblical, biblical perspective, aren't okay, um, and so somewhere I think we we actually cause tension within the church world at times that 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 is unhealthy. Which um,
0: is why maybe um, maybe rather than using like, am I is am I allowed to do this or is this sin or is it not sin? Maybe that's just the wrong question.
1: I think at times you might be right. I think and at times. I, yeah. I,
0: and I almost said that in the message, like, actually I did say, like, if you <laughs> one of the quotes <laughs> I brought up in the message was if you're looking for a book that gives you in black and white terms um, what to do in this situation, mm-hmm. then maybe the Bible is not the book yeah. for you because the, the Bible, like that's the other subject we could have talked about in this podcast. We're already at 45 minutes, but um, if you want a full biblical study of divorce, it gets real mm-hmm. confusing yeah it does totally, like yeah. like if you have every intention saying God, just show me where the line is Yeah I just humbly want to submit to your plan mm-hmm. for where the line is and then you just deep dive which I did a huge deep dive mm-hmm. into for t- for two Wait, weeks. you
1: did a deep dive That's a
0: deep a dive surprise. into the biblical study of divorce and it gets really confusing yeah. and complicated yeah. if you take the full scope of the scriptures and you're yeah. just like, Oh, Lord. Even when, when you
1: get into Paul, like, you're kind of like reading Paul, and you're like, wait, hold on a second. If an unbeliever wants to leave, don't try to stop them. But, like, can they get remarried? Paul, could you just, like, make that crystal clear? Yeah. Like, just, like, like, just just continue the, the thought and say, oh, and and in that case, like, the believer is completely free to marry another believer, and and I think that's great. Like, give us some help here.
0: <laughs> yeah, or even the Matthew text that you said that you preached on yeah, the first yeah. week. Jesus is like, he he holds the line of covenantal uh-huh. marriage, but he also implies that there's still an option for divorce. Yeah, yeah. From this yeah. Exodus passage where there's, where it's like even more ambiguous, yeah. <laughs> it's, which is why, the I mean, the Pharisees could have a genuinely humble, honest question. Yeah. I think they're trying to trick him, but they're like, it kind of sounds like for anything. Yeah. What does he determine? It's like, if a man determines that his wife is distasteful, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, and, and so and the Jesus is like, yeah, well, that's because of the hardness of your heart. They're like, so what you're saying is I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> like, what do you mean, Jesus? Like, this is not helpful yeah. stuff. If you're trying to find the line, it is a, because I don't think he wants us to have a line. Yeah. Instead, he's saying, you know what? There's this beautiful invitation that is marriage and there's this beautiful invitation that is covenant, and I want that for mm-hmm. you. It's so good. It's so yeah. sweet. It's so delightful and life-giving and yeah. all of these stuff. But but I'm being, I'm in this situation. He's like, okay, well, then let's take the fragments of your brokenness yeah. and let's try and assemble the, the best possible distorted beautiful thing and that, that, out that, of that, that. Like
1: that, so like when we, this week, we'll do a little more in, in Ephesians chapter 5. You touched on it this week and... And it's this kind of like, if you've not read it, go read it. Start, start to start, with, read it first from verse 22 uh, and then go back and start from verse 21 instead. Because most, most sectional Bibles, they'll start a new section on verse 22 and it starts off, wives, submit to your, to your husbands. Um, but verse 21 actually says, submit to each other. Like every Christian everywhere, submit to every Christian everywhere. Um, and when you read that and say, what would the world look like if people actually did that? You're kind of like, oh, magical. Like if we could all mm. genuinely submit to each other and receive submission from other people, this would be a wonderful place to live. Um, and, and, and I'm trying to remember who said this. There was there was a... It's someone like Dallas Willard, but I'm not sure it is a Dallas thing. No, it was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said like he believed... That he'd only met one person genuinely living in the way of Jesus in his entire life. Like he said, who, like, who said this? C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. He said, Like, I feel like I've only met one person that I would say they genuinely live like Jesus lives. Wow. Um, and he said, Just imagine if 10% of us genuinely lived like Jesus li- lived. He was like, We'd change this world in like in weeks. It would be so dramatic. And he's encompassing the whole thing of like Jesus living in like connection with the Holy Spirit, Jesus living in care for those on the margins, Jesus like, and he's like, but, but we just don't. Um, and, and that's the reason we have on our wall, living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. But someone asked me the question like today, like what percentage would you put on? Like how many people do you think in a given community, are genuinely like apprenticed Jesus saying, how does he speak about this? And how can I live through the power of the Holy Spirit, this way of living? I'm like I don't want to put a number on it. Well, I and feel like it's too low.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that one of the other difficulties with saying that is, I think I've known, I'm more maybe more optimistic than C.S. Lewis. I love it. I've known multiple people in seasons who are genuinely living the way of mm. Jesus. With I can even think of seasons in my life yeah. where there was a posture and an urgency and a delight in who Jesus was and the invitation of his kingdom that I was like, I was so all in Mm. and I made mistakes, but they were usually ignorant mistakes Mm. where I just, I hadn't discovered that that was an issue yet. Um, But I was so all in. The thing that scares me more is the seasons where I'm like, uh, I was just talking to some guys about this. Like now I'm like, I'm, mature enough to see my stupidity <laughs> and I choose it anyway. That's like so much worse than ignorant stupidity. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I do know several people in seasons depending yeah. on the pattern of their life or um whatever where God just gets a hold of them and there's this beautiful season yeah. where they're all in and then a crisis happens or whatever and and something falls apart and they they fall into some bad habits again or whatever it may be. So maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic love than it. C.S. Lewis. Hey, so
1: he was a pretty negative guy. Yes, <laughs> for <laughs> That's sure. A fun conversation.
0: Yeah. So or, I there don't you know go. What we decided. I but. don't know. <laughs> well, I, and we decided that I might be a heretic.
1: Yeah, but we already knew that to a degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's well, kept under wraps by the fact that you're the one, usually the one asking the questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my my heresy is usually under the under the surface. so uh yeah i guess maybe in summary is like the the invitation of the of marriage and the covenant of marriage is so good Mm. don't tap out too lightly like i paul i mean uh maybe paul maybe not paul the book of hebrews says you haven't resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood yeah and my invitation to you is like resist the option of divorce with every means you can possibly resist because some of the challenge is the point. Mm. And then the second part of that is if you've been through it and there is such excruciating um, pain involved uh, with with hum- humility, uh, seek some counsel because maybe the best thing you could do or or the least of the evils is to actually get a divorce. So there's
1: the summary. I'm trying to figure out. uh, God's
0: love is the, both the beginning and the end.
1: Isn't that the incredible thing? Like, you know, I, I I was reading the other day in first John, this, just this beautiful, um, this beautiful reminder. Where is it? It's gotta be here somewhere. Uh, I'm going to have to botch it like as a, as a paraphrase, but he says like, you know, if, if, uh, like, like something about our hearts not condemning us, but he says like, even if our hearts do condemn us, well, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Yeah, so like, like that just like, that just so, so, so like in those moments where you feel that deep shame of um, past things that have, have occurred, like ways that you know, you failed ways that you're very aware that you were failed. Being able to say like, oh, with all that mess, God, you're greater than my heart. And it's all of it, it's like, Conundrums and wrestlings.
0: That's why we need oh. Jesus, is because he's the only relationship you can have where at least one party, him, mm-hmm. doesn't screw up. <laughs> he never screws up,
1: and I think all of us need that. Which was my way of getting out of being in a relationship for years. Every time anyone would ask me, I'd say, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm still learning to live with a perfect partner. Why would I want to live with an imperfect one?"
0: <laughs> to with your w- To which your wife now says, "Hey, <laughs>
1: what
0: the heck? all right." Well, thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, I'm going to meander and talk until I can find the stop button. Bye, everyone. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.